Hey guys, and welcome to the show. This is your host, Mohamed Halaiba. Sorry for not posting more frequently. It's really been very, very busy. As you know, I am doing my IR fellowship at NYU, and when we've been very busy between work and uh, you know having a family life. But I will do my best to post episodes or new episodes as soon as I'm able to for this year. The goal is to try to at least do one episode a month first Tuesday of the month at uh, 5 a.m. I would like to remind everyone that there is a lot of useful information on the prior episodes, especially the the first uh, 20 or 30 episodes on the podcast that were not topic-specific, rather random questions. They might not be helpful for studying for the core exam right now since it's August, but rather they'll be more helpful as you get closer to the months before the test, so two, three months before the test, there'll be a lot of benefit in listening to the earlier episodes. Obviously, you can listen to them anytime, but I found them very useful to listen to leading to the test. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. My email is mhalaiba, so m-h-a-l-a-i-b-e-h at gmail.com, and I really appreciate all the uh, kind gestures and thank you notes that I've been receiving. Thank you guys so much, and best of luck on this cycle of the core exam timeline for post-surgical mammographic changes. What am I referring to? I'm referring to scar and calcification post-surgery. And this is really important because the timeline defines many important factors in terms of do we get a biopsy, do we not get a biopsy. The typical evolution that scar should become less apparent on mammogram as time progresses from surgery because of progressive healing. Now, any new thickening or calcifications are suspicious for recurrence. Particularly, typically benign calcifications would arise within the first two years after surgery, and suspicious calcifications will be noted on average recurrence of four years, which means the typical recurrence is within the first four or five years after surgery, not the immediate within two years after surgery. Again, We expect scar to become less thickened and less dense. That is normal. Anything that is worsening is suspicious for recurrence. For calcifications, calcifications within the first two years are considered benign. Calcifications four years or after are considered suspicious for recurrence of disease. What is the mammographic difference between summation artifact and architectural distortion? In summation artifact, the key point is that the straight line prior to summation artifact continues. So if we imagine that summation artifact is a focal point in the breast and there is a line that is coming toward that point, the line will continue past that point without changing its direction. So it's not really a central point. And that is summation artifact, which means overlapping normal breast tissue If we were to reposition the breast, that should disappear. Architectural distortion, on the other hand, is a different story where all the lines around that focal point are pointing toward that central point and it should not disappear if we get a different position. If we, for example, roll the breast, summation artifact should disappear. Architectural distortion should persist. What are the training requirement for reading mammograms during residency. 
So a resident should receive 60 hours of education in regards to breast imaging. They should read at least 240 mammograms within the last two years of residency. So PGY3 and PGY4 of residency, they should read a total of 240. So if you read 240 within the third year, you're fine, or you can read 240 within your last year is also fine. And finally, you need to have at least three months of formal training. So you need to have at least uh, 12 weeks of breast or mammogram rotations. So we have talked about asymmetry, we have talked about architectural distortion, and we have talked about focal asymmetry previously. Now we're going to address a new type of asymmetry, which is developing asymmetry. What is the exact definition of developing asymmetry? Developing asymmetry is focal asymmetry that is new or larger or becoming more prominent than prior examination. Again, focal or developing asymmetry is focal asymmetry. We said focal asymmetry is asymmetry in two views, and that is becoming more prominent or more conspicuous compared to prior and the positive predictive value of developing asymmetry is actually 15%. So it would be qualified as BIRAD 4B. Again, focal asymmetry, developing asymmetry is focal asymmetry that is becoming more prominent or new from prior. And the positive predictive value for it is 15%, which classifies it as a BIRAD 4B lesion. What is the Linguini sign? This is typically refers to the rupture when we have rupture of silicon implant where the wall of the implant would fold on itself and extend into the silicon implant itself. And that's called the Linguini sign. The key thing to know the difference between intracapsular and extracapsular rupture. For extracapsular rupture, we would have silicon outside the breast capsule, not outside the implant, outside the breast capsule, which forms as reactive changes to having a breast implant. What is the peak time for breast cancer recurrence? We talked about this earlier today. We said peak time or average breast cancer recurrence is at four years. Now, what is the recurrence rate based on treatment? Key thing to know if there is radiation or not. If there is radiation, the risk of cancer recurrence is about 8% at four years and at 35% if we did not treat the breast with radiation. That's why radiation is so important in breast cancer. Again, recurrence peak is at four years and 8% with post-surgical or post-treatment radiation and 35% without radiation. What is the difference between gynecomastia and pseudogynecomastia? Now here we're talking about male pathology. And gynecomastia is when you have some glandular tissue or fibroglandular tissue in a retroareolar location. Typically flame-shaped is the classic descriptor for true gynecomastia. Pseudogynecomastia is basically localized fatty deposition in the breast tissue. Again, so it would be completely fatty tissue in a male with enlarged breast is called pseudogynecomastia.
you're shown a focal ultrasound of a breast in a patient complaining of a breast mass. And what you see is a well-circumscribed lesion with fat fluid level. So fat is higher than the hypoechoic fluid, which would be at the bottom of the lesion. So hypoechoic at the bottom and then fat on top, which is echogenic or more echogenic than fluid. And they're asking you for the diagnosis. It's a galactosil. Sometimes they can be nice enough and tell you a lactating mother with a palpable mass. What is the site of most cancers in the breast? Most cancer occur on the lateral breast or upper lateral portion of the breast. Again, if we were to quantify the highest risk quadrant of the breast, it's the upper outer quadrant of the breast, which also means that if we have a lesion on MLO view, what do we want to get? ML or LM view. Remember what I said in earlier episode that we always want to put the detector closest to the lesion. And so if we know that it's always going to be the outer quadrant, so we will get ML views for an MLO suspicious lesion. Again, most common location for breast cancer on is on the upper outer quadrant. And for that, if we see a lesion that we're seeing on the MLO and we're not seeing anything on the CC view, we'll get an ML view, not LM. Let's talk about breast MRI and the parenchymal enhancement patterns and descriptors. So first of all, it is based on the first post-contrast sequence. That's the enhancement. And it's basically non-minimal, mild, or moderate parenchymal enhancement. Again, the parenchymal enhancement pattern is based on the first post-contrast sequence and the approved BIRAD descriptors include non-minimal, mild, moderate, and marked enhancement. Now, when we're looking at breast MRI kinetics, which describes basically the reaction to contrast material and how rapidly the lesion or a focus picks up contrast material, we have two options. One in regards to the initial upslope phase, and this is typically within the first two minutes, and the initial phase is divided into slow, medium, or rapid uptake. So slow obviously means slower uptake, medium, and rapid regarding the speed that the lesion takes up contrast material. Then the more important phase is the washout kinetics. Again, the washout kinetics is more important and it classifies the risks of cancer. We have type 1, type 2, and type 3 curves. Again, type 1, type 2, and type 3 curves. They don't have to mention the name. They can say type 1, 2, or 3 kinetics. Type 1 kinetic curve describes persistent uptake of contrast material for the focus. Type 2 curve or type 2 kinetics curve describes a plateau phenomena where the contrast does not wash out and at the same time the concentration of contrast does not increase. And finally, type 3 curve, which is the wash out curve, 
and that is decreased concentration of contrast over time in that focus. The percentage of risks associated with that based on the cancer for type 1 curve, which is the persistent or increased uptake of contrast material, it is associated with 6% cancer risk. The type 2 or plateau curve, which the concentration does not change over time, is associated with 7 to 28% risk. So it's type 4A to 4B risk if we were to put it in a buy right category. And finally, washout kinetic curve type 3 or what we call a washout or type 3 curve is associated with greater than 29% cancer risk or positive predictive value. So that would be type 4C. Again, washout kinetics are more important than the initial upslope. And we have persistent, which is increased concentration over time. We have plateau, which is no increase and no decrease in concentration over time. And we have washout kinetics, which is the most ominous and it is called type 3 curve. Risks associated with cancer, positive predictive value associated cancer with type 3 curve is greater than 29%. And the washout period is from 2 to 6 minutes after the initial injection of contrast material. What are the BIRAD terms that describes enhancement of a mass or a lesion? We can describe the enhancement as homogeneous, heterogeneous, rim, and dark internal septation. Now, enhancing internal septation is not a term that we're allowed to use. Central enhancement is not a term. Again, the only terms allowed in BIRADs for enhancement pattern of a lesion are homogeneous, heterogeneous, rim enhancement, and dark internal septation. The dark internal septation obviously refers to a fibroadenoma. When is repeat analysis in mammography performed? This is a quality improvement measure, and it is performed quarterly. Again, repeat analysis is performed quarterly. What is the differential for a mass with amorphous calcifications? Can be fibrocystic changes, can be sclerosing adenosis, and DCIS, particularly low-grade DCIS. So amorphous calcification are low positive predictive value, but they can be due to fibrocystic changes, sclerosing adenosis, those are benign changes, and finally, low-grade DCIS, which has malignant potential. What is the average lifetime risk of a female to develop breast cancer? It's one in eight females. Again, the lifetime risk of breast cancer is one in eight. What are the properties of BRCA1 breast cancer? BRCA1 breast cancers are known to be triple negative. Typically, the most common IDC type is medullary subtype. And the risk of developing cancer is up to 72% on BRCA1 carriers. And they have approximately 44% risk of developing ovarian cancer, this is higher than BRCA2 mutation. For BRCA2 mutation, the key thing we need to know, this is associated with breast cancer in men. What is the differential for benign developing asymmetry? So benign reasons for developing asymmetry include summation artifact, fibrocystic changes, 
harsh hormone replacement therapy and trauma. Again, benign differential for developing asymmetry is summation artifact, fibrocystic changes, harsh hormone replacement treatment, and trauma. Remember we said developing asymmetry is a focal asymmetry that is new or enlarging. Again, developing asymmetry is focal asymmetry that is new or enlarging. What is the standard dosage of contrast in breast MRI? It's typically 0.1 millimole per kilogram. Again, it's 0.1 millimole per kilogram. And typically they'll say that we need to flush it with 10 cc of saline to clear the tubing. And breast MRI is typically done with breast coils, bilateral breast coils to get the best signal because we're imaging a superficial or small area. Again, 0.1 millimole per kilogram, flush it with 10 cc. It is performed with or using bilateral breast coils and typically performed on 1.5 Tesla or greater. What is the unique aspect of managing inflammatory breast cancer? So we know inflammatory breast cancer is due to spread of breast cancer in the lymphatics. It's very aggressive and the treatment pattern for it is different than a standard breast cancer. For inflammatory breast cancer, we do chemo and radiation and then follow that by surgery. Typical breast cancer is surgery then followed by chemo and radiation. For inflammatory cancer, we start with chemo and radiation and then do surgery. The term shrinking breast refers to it refers to invasive lobular carcinoma, and this is a mammographic only finding. There's the actual breast on physical exam is not really shrinking. Again, shrinking breast is a mammographic description of one breast that is involved with invasive lobular carcinoma appears to be smaller than the contralateral breast, not in reality, just on mammogram. This is because ILC involvement pattern causes the breast not to spread as much when we put the breast in compression. And because of those pattern and the breast not spreading, it will look smaller on mammogram, but it's physically the same size. What is the MRI enhancement pattern for DCIS? So DCIS characteristically demonstrate non-mass enhancement. This non-mass enhancement may be linear or may be clumped in distribution. Again, it may be linear or clumped in distribution, and it is classically a non-mass enhancement. What is the term radial fold referred to? Radial fold refers to the infolding of a normal implant and we know it's not a ruptured implant because it is thicker because the radial fold is represented by both layers of the implant versus a ruptured implant where there's infolding it's only one part not two layers one layer of the implant would be seen inside the silicon implant when do we get the xccl views xcc refers to exaggerated lateral CC view. So again, it's still CC view, but exaggerated lateral, meaning it's focusing on the lateral breast in a CC view. And it is performed when we don't have adequate coverage of the posterior lateral breast. 
the other option is to see that segment on the MLO view or get an ML view. But in order to see a lesion in both views, we get the exaggerated CC view or XCCL view.